Today, I'm going to be returning to my discussions with my metering expert colleagues, who you will have heard from before when we discussed the gas metering journey to net zero. We had such positive feedback from their last podcast that we wanted to invite them back for more today. So we're going to be focusing on meter asset ownership and management in a net zero world. Let me introduce you to them now. Hi, I'm uh, Stuart from Northern Power and Metering Limited. Um, so we're a meter asset provider, um, but we're uh, overall part of the Northern Power Grid Group, who act as a, a distribution network operator in the north of England. Uh, Jeff. Yep, Jeff Studholm from Smart Meter Assets. We're a meter asset provider. We were incorporated in the very early days of the Smart Program um, purely to fund um, smart meter installations under the um, under the SMIP. So we own about 2 million um, smart meters, around 900,000 of which are gas. And same as with every meter asset provider, we effectively fund the meter installation and then rent our meters back to effectively now every energy supply within the UK market. That's Stephen. Hi there. I'm Stephen McGill from Energy Assets Pipelines. We're part of the Energy Assets Group. Um, in the, the Energy Assets Pipeline side of the business, we are an IGT and a, well, which are independent gas transporter and also a meter asset manager. Uh, Gary, next, please. Uh, hi, it's uh, Gary Sishadid from uh, Macquarie um, Energy Resources and Sustainability. We're also a meter asset provider. Um, we started off as capital meters in the early 2000s, purchased on stream um, back in 2010. Um, and yeah, now we, we trade just under uh, Macquarie for, for any sort of new businesses or anything like that. So, yeah. Thanks all. So uh, I'd like to jump straight in if that's okay. Let's talk about asset ownership and management and what the impacts are going to be to your kind of asset strategies with the rollout of hydrogen progressing. So, Jeff, I'm going to start with you. Yeah. Look, as an asset funder, we don't need to get overly excited yet. And what I would say is we are... We've always been sort of um, neutral to technology and any particular um, sort of device manufacturer. We want to support energy suppliers deploying the meters that they choose to. It's their installers, it's their consumer. And therefore, really, all we need to know is how safe is this asset and how long will it last? And that, and that really touches on, on two points. So in terms of the trials from a technology, we have to be very um, clear what the life of the device will be and and that includes things like managing the battery life within a meter which is very often the limiting um limiting point that's the sort of the the, the weak link in the chain in terms of it, it really drives the life of a meter because if the battery depletes quickly you know you 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 visit a, a site to see a 10 year old meter you're not going to change a battery you're going to change the whole device we've got used in natural gas meter into um to funding assets that we know will last 16, 17, 18 years. So we need to be very clear what the technology is and what the deployment of some of the firmware and the security controls are and what impact that has on, on asset life. The flip side, of course, you know, the hydrogen program gives us great opportunity to fund more assets and there's enough, there's enough capital in the market to fund the deployment of hydrogen meters without question. What we need to be careful is organizations such as the three that you've got on this podcast today and all other maps have recently spent hundreds of millions of pounds funding smart gas meters mm -hmm. on the premise that they will stay installed for a significant amount of time. 
you know me well enough, Vicky, to know I will inevitably uh, veer into discussion that around stranded assets. And again, we don't want to halt the transition to hydrogen, but it's a really important point to understand and acknowledge the premature removal of existing smart gas meters if we were to transition to 100% hydrogen and understand that in part of the decision really when people are looking at policy around are we moving towards a blend or 100% hydrogen. Um, so from an asset owner point of view, where we and any number of others, there will be no shortage of organisations happy to fund, own and, and deploy hydrogen meters in the same way we have done gas meters for the last um, however many years. I think it leads to another question for me, um, which is kind of the environmental impact. But actually, if we're taking meters off the wall that have only been installed for a year or so, is there anything that can be done with those smart gas meters or do they, can they be recycled or, or is, it, is it an environmental issue that we need to also think about? There is significant elements of the components within meters that can be recycled. Of course, there's, that, that, that's not without its own carbon footprint, but it can mitigate the impact of removed meters. There are certain components, particularly batteries, are extremely problematic and difficult to recycle. And, you know, as it is the weak part in that asset, even if a meter is relatively young, it is standard practice to always replace the meat, the battery in a meter, if you, even if you can redeploy that meter. That makes sense. So, yeah, we, it, is, it would be a shame to create significant ad- amounts of carbon and waste from a program which was itself designed to help us transition to net zero. It's a great opportunity for network owners um, and asset owners uh, moving forward because there's going to be an alternative. The The option was that potentially there wasn't going to be an alternative and, and it was going to move across onto the electrification suites, have the, the, the kind of existing electrical meter, uh, just looking at the extra load. The, the transition to hydrogen or the proposed transition to hydrogen gives us another kind of bite to the cherry more assets uh, to be installed and with that comes comes issues as the guys have, have uh, intimated there um, we've got a whole whole uh, load of new training you know, lots, of, lots of new engineers new specifications that's going to be understood um, so there's, there's going to have to be a, a protracted role out of that um, I think there has to be a Obviously, an understanding. Although the the last couple of years, the you know, the the move towards hydrogen has been noticeable, the actual installation and the upgrade of the systems will be very very long term. the The fact that we've got gas meters in there now with a 16, 16 year life expectancy, seventeen years life expectancy, I don't think the issue will be too heavy as far as they'll be cycling all that because it'll be done through natural wastage and it would have had to be replaced at some point anyway. Um, so I, I think I think by the time the networks and they've all they've all got their different ideas on whether they're going to go blending, whether they're going to go like hundred percent hydrogen. You know, there's some of the networks are going to walk away for the the blending uh, proposal um, because they they, they see the hundred percent option and the long term hundred percent option a bit a bit more attractive from a financial point of view. So I think I think it will move naturally. That, we could have the case where they're side by side networks because of, you know, gas networks and hydrogen networks are not that far away from each other. People could people could have the option of running one or the other um, for a short period of time until we, we do completely transition. So there's there's going to be um, a widespread uh, uh, scope of skills required for working across the industry. So the, there's a big 
as I said, a big training program that's, that's going to have to follow this. Yeah, no, I think that's a really good point. Uh, Gary, sorry, I know you wanted to jump in there. No, you're okay. Just um, echoing really what what Jeff was saying around uh, the, the devices and the, the in terms of the the, the funding model and, and how that business works, I don't think there's there's going to be any massive changes to to how it works. We'll, we'll you know work with our um, clients in in their requirements and, and match them with with whatever we need to do. Um, the the thing that I was sort of focus on a little bit is. I don't think anybody would would say that the um, the SMDA process was particularly um, enthralling or or exciting uh, or fast paced. So I think for me, what, what I'd really like to see from uh, this kind of concept stage to to real life is making sure that 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 is really a, a massive focus and that it's completed quickly with really robust specs on on the meters because there's going to be a lot of different devices a lot of different um ways that they've met the technical specifications but we can't take you know half a decade to get to the point where they're all signed off that that's just um, not good no i don't disagree can i just pick up you talked about the smda process what does that stand for Smart meter device assurance is, is, is a guess, I think. Uh, somebody <laughs> might just correct me. It's just about making sure that um, each manufacturer's solution um, and and product matches the specs laid out. By, uh, Thank you. The right people. Thank you for clarifying. Uh, Jeff? I, I think Stephen raised a really interesting point from a, a network and a gas network point of view and it really brings to um, mind sort of the time scale and the horizons in which people look so you you have a a network operator effectively has a perpetual asset so therefore you can take a very long-term view in terms of where you put your investment and what payback periods come i would put maps in the middle so i completely understand uh, stephen's point we can map you know, if we transition to hydrogen in 2032, what that means in terms of stranded asset cost against 2035, against 2030. However, you then have A's and Ofgem still pushing the completion of the smart program, which is mandating more and more gas meters to be installed. And that's going to take us beyond 2025. So the point is we're still going to be installing in at scale gas meters in 2025 that if we do go to full hydrogen are not going to be used for their useful life so the really important point is saying that look we just i would say we we don't want to forget the fact that network operators are making decisions meter asset owners we need as much notice as we can as much planning as we can and again it would be preferable to have certainty in terms of government policy of whether the policy is towards blend or full hydrogen, because part of the challenge, the first and most important part of the challenge is knowing what you've got as an end date. You know, we, we manage this and we're used to this. We're looking at it now with 2G, 3G comms network sunsetting, because we know that we've got clarity of when different elements of that functionality is going to turn off and what that means in terms of managing a meter estate. And yet we're potentially going to be in 2026 before we've got clarity of whether we're, whether government policy is towards 100% or blended hydrogen. So just to kind of pick up on that, so the uh, there's a, a blending decision due 
in 2023 as to whether blending can happen within distribution networks. But you're right, the, the decision on whether 100% hydrogen will support domestic heating or not isn't going to be made until 2026. So you've kind of got two programs sort of butting against each other there, haven't you? You've got the smart rollout program and then you've got the the possible what is the future of heating. Because let's face it, if, if there's a positive decision to say hydrogen is, is going to support domestic heating, you've then got a pilot that's due in 2030 that will explain how we can start to look at that rollout. So it is quite a long-term thinking even after the, the a decision has been made. Yeah. But if the decision is that uh, uh, hydrogen isn't going to support domestic heating, at what point do you stop rolling out gas smart meters? Because somebody then they're, they're going to have to move to electricity potentially or a, or a heat pump. So actually how we could bring, if we could get some help in bringing some of those policy decisions together or to at least pause some of the, the, the plans around smart gas rollout until a decision has been made on hydrogen, that would really help you plan better. And, and what we shouldn't forget is, I'm not looking at this as an asset funder because I've, no. I've, I, I can insulate myself against some of that risk, but ultimately the cost of these stranded assets gets picked up by the consumer. So again, you know, we're, we're speaking on behalf of trying to reduce the impact on the consumer. I think, that, you know, there's been a lot of progress made. I remember being at a session with Gary, he might might not remember it, um, four or five years ago um, in one of the high for heat projects. And I, I'm really pleased to see blue hydrogen being called out. Again, I think, I think from a, a, a decarbonisation point of view, I would hate to see us move to 100% hydrogen if that is because we're using that burning natural gas to create hydrogen because I think that really is um, defeating the point. You're de you're decarbonising at the home, but you're still creating that carbon to just be stored somewhere waiting for some sort of issue further down the line. I, I don't think that's going to fly from a consumer point of view. I think it feels a bit greenwashing. It's a fair point. Uh, Stuart, I think you wanted to come in there. Yeah, um, I, th I think one of the other things worth mentioning is um, when it comes to funding, we don't, as meter asset providers, we don't just fund the asset, we fund the site visit to install the asset. With the 4G comms hubs uh, rolled out and uh, there's still a potential for uh, quantum computing uh, enabled or cryptographic uh, encryption on, uh, on, on, on another generation of comms hubs. We're looking at, with hydrogen as well, if, if projects don't line up, we're looking at an additional three to four site visits over what would have been one asset's lifetime. Where projects don't line up, you just create this additional um, amount of money that needs to be recovered through uh, either consumers paying their energy suppliers and paying them your asset providers or a government incentive program. It's, it's one of those things where the more projects running concurrently that aren't communicating with each other can create uh, a, a drastic increase in price, which is actually completely avoidable. I think that's an excellent point. It's certainly something from an Exaserve point of view. We're, we're trying to ensure that the conversations are happening across all of the all of the projects and the trials that are going on to make sure these these areas are being picked up. Thank you, Stuart. I think that's a great point. Um, any more anybody wants to add to any of those things we've been discussing at that point? So yeah, just 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 to add, Vicky, I think um, th there is there is a great parallel um, at a recent example, really, which is the smart rollout program. Yeah. So just quickly, I think look, there's two there's two points I think we need to think about. There's technical. We've touched on a lot of those points. We just need to make sure whether it's a blend, whether it's a hundred percent hydrogen, that metering devices are assured in terms of the 
safety and we've got the, the right certifications, but also to check their interoperability with the smart metering infrastructure that's already in place. Then you get to the practical and operational challenges. You know, the smart programmers have to overcome challenges in terms of trained engineers, you know, in what was a declining workforce, having to artificially inflate it to do a, to do an, an accelerated rollout. And the other thing just remember really is, is consumer education. I think the added complexity really for the hydrogen transition is the, is the fact that it will be network driven, but metering is a supplier responsibility. Coordination is going to be key and we've not got a great track record of, of, of managing across those things in, in the industry. I think it is going to be really important. You have a, a network who will transition, whether it's street by street, network by network, but on that one street, you will have X number of energy suppliers who have to coordinate their own metering resources to manage that transition. So that's the the one thing that we need to think about. Again, it's another UK specific challenge where, you know, for, for good or bad or indifferent, we, we have got metering as a supplier rather than a network responsibility. I think that's a great point. Thank you. I'd like to thank the three of you very much for giving me your time and energy today and for sharing your thoughts and ideas with our listeners. It's an exciting time for the gas industry at the moment and decarbonisation is a fundamental part of how we move forward. If you'd like to keep up to date, we have a great range of resources for the gas industry that you can access. This includes our monthly Delivering Decarb newsletter, which covers topical issues of the moment, our monthly working groups that we'd love you to get involved with, an intranet for industry containing more detailed information about pertinent projects, an online resource hub on exaserve.com that contains blogs, podcasts, information packs, videos and more. Thank you for listening and I hope you tune in next time. <laughs>